Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 174 of Running Lines, our regular series of conversations with interesting folk from the Colorado and national theater communities. Today, we are coming at you from the Colorado Shakespeare Festival in Boulder with two young Turks who should be quite familiar to DCPA theater company audiences, Jeffrey Kent and Benjamin Bonenfant, who are headlining very disparate and yet not so much productions of Othello and Henry V. Welcome, lads. Hello, hello, John. Hello. Thanks for talking to us. You bet. Part of the reason I chose you two is because you both get to play two of the greatest characters in the canon, side by side. We know you both from your time at the Denver Center and certainly CSF. Starting with you, Jeff, I would think that this is a real milestone in your career. Yeah, I don't know what to do after it. I'll be (laughs) done. I'll just be done. You know, I saw my first Shakespeare play here in high school. I was a season ticket holder here for years, including the Denver Center. I did creative dramatics as a kid at the Arvada Center. So I'm a Colorado theater kid, and to then get a chance to act on the stage starting in 2003, and here I am 13 years later in my third Much Ado here, working on my second Othello here. But to get to do one of these guys, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do it without the 13 years on this stage of practicing to get there. For me at this time to play this part feels like it calls on everything I've learned, both what works and what doesn't work, to get there. But we know you as an actor and director, but the Denver Center audiences know you primarily as the full-time fight director. You didn't really take the traditional route. No, I got out of college and really quickly learned that most of my classmates were much better than me at acting. But I really liked throwing punches, Hmm. and I really liked physical action, so I continued to build the skill of stage combat as as a hobby, frankly. As, As a guy who someday wanted to play... Hamlet, Iago, Henry, these guys, you know, the guys that swing swords. I was like, well, I bet I should, I should work on that skill because I like that skill. And then accidentally for me, that skill became an employment opportunity. And then I was drawn into the Denver Center without trying to. But in a way, one led to the other. I mean, I think yeah. that you're being a fight director put you in the room with people who it might did. go, hey, let's give like, him a chance. I've been in the room with some amazing people. And it's like a master class. And hopefully 5% of that is stuck. <laughs> so, Benjamin, at this point in your career, I would say the same thing, that the opportunity to play Henry V is a real culmination of your preparation up to this point. How are you looking at the opportunity to play this magnificent mammoth role? Well, it's hard for one thing not to see it as being somewhat parallel to the transition that the character undergoes from being somebody who isn't interested in being king, <laughs> eventually having to step into that role. Not at all like this was thrust upon me, but it's a role that I, when I was younger, didn't ever imagine that I would play because I didn't see myself as that kind of character. I didn't see myself as that type, as an actor. And so, in a way, it doesn't feel as much as a a culmination of a certain amount of preparation that I've had as it is a turning point, perhaps. And I hope that it is, but it feels in some ways like a, a, a rite of passage. It's hard not to see it that way. I've had my own limited experience, but mostly in playing lovers and princes and you know, character roles on the side. And, and this is the first time in a Shakespeare play that I'm really getting an opportunity to step into this kind of leadership position. So the theme of this podcast is honor, a subject that dominates both Othello and Henry V in very different ways. First, we have Iago, as played by Jeff Kent, who uses honor as a cloak to disguise his ill intent. And in Henry V, we have the dapper king using honor as a justification for what has come to be seen by some in modern times as a perhaps unjust war 
which is a topic we can all <laughs> relate to. But in both cases, honor is certainly used as a weapon of persuasion in both of these plays, isn't it, Jeff Kent? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it does with the fact that Iago, he has perceived that his honor has been injured, I think. And he goes about with whatever tactic he can to pursue not revenge for the sense of getting things evensies, as I like to say. He wants to be winsies, no take backsies. So Iago, because he believes that his best friend, the fellow, has slept with his wife, and because Iago feels he deeply deserved a promotion that he was not given, as a result feels that his honor has been stained. Because I'm a freak, I counted the number of times that word honor is invoked in Othello, and uh, it came in at a whopping 42 times. Yeah, I, I did a Google search for 42-44 on Arcata. Yeah, but yeah. only 10 times by Iago, interestingly I, I enough. Use the word, I use the word, but honesty is in the script more than that. Honesty is in the script like 48. You know what beats honesty in Othello? <laughs> what is it? The word heaven at a robust 72. Wow. You make anything of that? Well, I certainly, as in rehearsing the play, was amazed at how often Iago invokes that word. Um, I mean, Shakespeare likes to put that kind of godly stakes in things because, again, one that's great about Shakespeare is everything's life and death. When you're facing life and death with any decision, whether it's a comedy, a history, a tragedy, a romance, you tend to invoke those two extremes, either God or the devil. And Iago references both in comparison to each other, right? When devils will their blackest sins put on, they do it first with heavenly shows, as I do now. So he likes to compare and contrast them together and see how one can pretend to be the other. But I think that mostly for me that honor, honesty, and heaven, they're all ages. Uh, He likes alliteration. So Ben, to quote your friend Falstaff, what of that word honor? The the way that I've been thinking about it is it seems like honor doesn't, doesn't continue to be his reason for doing anything once he's king. There's a lot of political maneuvering that takes place when you, you, when you talk about an unjust war. There's a lot of other reasons for going to war with France that are kind of presented at the beginning of the play that make it clear that this is not just a battle about honor. There's more at stake. So for people who don't know the play quite as well as they might know Othello, what, what is this climactic battle that we're talking about? The Battle of Agincourt. What's at stake? At stake is the throne of France. Henry V has made his claim to the throne based on a somewhat tenuous <laughs> genealogical <laughs> distinction. I think a bunch of guys in robes told him that France was his. Yeah. That's what I got out of it. Well, I gathered that also if he didn't go to war, he was going to be at war at home. Mm. He's got all these traitors in his mix. He's got people who are still mad about his dad. He's still, he's still got daddy issues. And, and his father, before passing away in Henry IV Part Two, tells him flat out, one of the best things that you can do when you become king, busy, giddy minds with foreign broils. Essentially, go to war elsewhere, away from home, to distract people from any question they might have about the legitimacy of you being king. Which never has happened in history since. No, I don't think so. <laughs> What Shakespeare does is does this somewhat patriotic, beautiful play, and, and, and let's Ben say some of the greatest, let's rally and win one for the Gipper speeches that have ever been written. But he also puts characters in his own army that tell him, but all these bodies and deaths are on your conscience. Right. Like, for when Judgment Day comes, and these heads and legs and arms and, and fatherless children and husbandless wives come and face you, that's on your soul. 
which I think is what makes Henry V both a pro and anti-war play. It doesn't necessarily stick its flag in the ground of, yes, this was just and true, but we're going to do it, and we're going to do it as best we can, but there's going to be people who say, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. It seems like he deliberately folds in this kind of dissonance between the voice of the chorus, who speaks from that place of nationalism and patriotism, it's giving almost jingoistic, flag-waving kind of poetry, so triumphant, talking about this event in history and, and comparing him to the gods of war. But then you see that set against the reality of the situation where he's doing kind of despicable things, making politically expedient decisions, severing old relationships, and you also see the common man who's over there fighting for him, what they suffer at the brunt of this war engine. Who are some of the people on stage and off that we'll recognize from the Denver Center? Well, Sam Gregory is, is tearing it up, both as kind of the pretty damn racist Brabantio in our prediction of Othello, really really pushed to that extreme in a way I've not seen before mm-hmm. and not seen from Sam before, so I find that really unique. And then, of course, Sam is our narrator for Henry V, so his kind of steady voice that kind of takes us from scene to scene is really nice to have because he's got a gravitas mm-hmm. that I think the chorus requires. You'll also get to see Larry Hecht. This is going to be his last performance in Colorado before he moves to the West Coast and we have to say goodbye to him. For those who don't know Larry Heck, who has been the head of acting for Denver Center Education for about the last 18 years, as Ben said, is retiring at the end of this production, so it is your last chance to see the master at work. And and a mentor for both of us. We will be seeing both of you at the Denver Center next year. I'll be in uh, As You Like It and working as an actor and also working on the wrestling, and you, I'll be coming back for A Christmas Carol. We're about out of time, but I want to thank Jeff and Benjamin for joining us on this edition of Running Lines. Before we go, I want to tell listeners that Othello is playing on the outdoor stage at the Mary Rapon Amphitheater through August 8th, and Henry V is playing indoors on the University of Colorado's Main Stage Theater through August 9th. And if you just can't get enough Henry, and really who can't, you should know that Colorado Shakes will be presenting two original practices performances of Henry VI, Part 1, on August 2nd and 5th. What does that mean, Jeff? What that means is we are we don't have a director. Um, it's a small cast. Both Ben and I are in it. Mm-hmm. We memorize our stuff ahead of time. Some of the scenes are not rehearsed at all until we're in front of the audience. We've just learned our cues. And in many cases, we'll be learning the plot in front of you. So from my friends who saw it last year, it's pretty thrilling because we're right on the edge of not knowing what's going on. Awesome. Information on all this and more can be found at www.coloradoshakes.org or by calling 303-492-8008.